You're listening to Sascapes, a podcast featuring the stories of arts, culture, and heritage in Saskatchewan. The Saskatchewan Festival of Words has established itself as one of the most loved literary festivals in Canada. Now entering its 19th year, the festival hosts some of Saskatchewan's and Canada's finest writers. I'm Kevin Power, and I'm thrilled to kick off the first episode of 2015 in Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan, with my first two guests, Donna Lee Howes and Sarah Simison, who are at the helm of this festival each year, putting it all together. In the second half of this episode, I'm joined by Saskatchewan author Anthony Badulka. Anthony is best known for his long-running, award-winning mystery series featuring Russell Quant and his fast-paced thriller series featuring disaster recovery agent Adam Saint. Enjoy the podcast. Even though the Saskatchewan Festival of Words is not currently happening, um, I have with me the two people that make it happen and who are currently fast and furiously in the midst of, of putting it all together for 2015. I have with me Donna Lee Howes. Um, shall I refer to you as the president of the organization or the executive director? I'm the executive director. Right. Because you have a board, and you probably have a president of your board. We do. The right. chairman, yes. P- Patrick Hall. Okay. And also, I have with me Sarah Simison. And Sarah, your official title? I'm the operations coordinator. Right. So you're also looking after all things communications as well? Trying to keep up, yes, absolutely. Right. Okay, good. So I found this rather amusing um, in on the homepage of your website. It says that... The festival of words should not exist. <laughs> um, and while I would, uh, I would argue the point now that we've moved beyond a hockey and bingo loving province. Um, we are such a culturally rich province. Um, I think probably in 1996 when the festival formed, nobody thought that it would become what it is today. And so to that end, um, it ought not to exist in a, in a, in an unlikely province like Saskatchewan, yeah? That's true. And, uh, Moose is the perfect setting for a literary festival like this. Although it's a small size city, we're, I think we've approached 35,000 now. It's the ideal spot because all the venues, uh, that the festival uses, the hotels and uh, most of the attractions are all downtown and within walking distance. So our audiences come and, uh, frequently arrive on Thursday and don't have to go back to their cars to leave town until Sunday. Right. And it, I love this town. I work in this town often. And it's just every, every time I come back, there is so much happening in, in, in Moose Jaw. So to me, it seems like a very likely um, place to hold a festival like this. We, get, Let's, that, we mm-hmm. get that a lot, too. You know, people think, 
well, it's happening in Moose Jaw. It can't be that big. Or anytime we, we travel around for conferences or anything, people say, so where are you based out of Regina or Saskatoon? Right. People can't believe that Moose Jaw has a festival like this. So no, it's great. Uh, people owe it to themselves to come to Moose Jaw, um, especially in the summertime, because you you can't hit a week where there isn't something significant mm-hmm. happening. Um, let's go back to 1996. Uh, Gary Highland was the founding director. Were you involved, Donna, at that time? No, I wasn't. I started to attend the festival in 2005, uh, and I was living in British Columbia at the time, mm. although I'm a Moose Jaw girl, born and, and uh, raised here. Right. But I was living in BC, and I started coming back to take part in what was going on at that time as an audience member, and then eventually uh, became the person who handled their fundraising raffle every year during the festival. And uh, then as Gary grew ill, Gary Highland, the festival founder, grew ill, he contacted me at the coast and asked me if I would uh, seriously consider uh, working with the Festival of Words as an executive director. Right. But you probably have heard stories. What was it like when, when it first launched? Um, pretty sparse, pretty quiet? I think that the earlier audiences were made up primarily of retired teachers and teacher librarians and uh, mischievians who were supportive of the idea of having a literary festival here in the city. But since that time, it's grown, and uh, it includes uh, people who are inviting their sisters-in-law and their daughters-in-law. So we, one one time, I think we had four generations sitting at the same table at the Sunday uh, farewell luncheon. So uh, in the earlier days, I think the venues were smaller. Mm-hmm. The audiences may have been smaller. Uh, but a lot of enthusiasm in Moose Jaw. We have a fantastic public library which has a tremendous amount of community support and a large circulation, uh, you know, for its size. And so I think that's played a large role in making Moose Jaw uh, the ideal spot to have a festival of lords. Right. Um, So you first came here as a participant. Uh, Do you have a background, a literary background? No. Although I'm a teacher, uh, my background really, as it relates to the festival, is uh, working in the media, but also in uh, running provincial, uh, provincial wide arts festivals. So my background was in running a film festival in British Columbia. All right. Right. And there is a film component to what you do as well, which we'll, we'll get to later. Sarah, what about you? You're from Moose Jaw originally? No, I'm from Vernon, BC originally. Oh. But I, uh, uh, my partner's from Moose Jaw, so that's how I ended up here. And, uh, I, I have a background in banking, strangely oh. enough. <laughs> but, uh, my dad is a writer and I grew up in the arts community and, uh, when I saw the job posting, I was still working in banking. When I saw the job posting to work for the festival, I was, I jumped at the chance to work for an arts organization and, uh, I, it's my dream job. I can't imagine doing anything else now. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Plus, I think it's also probably, um, to the festival's credit that they have somebody with a bit of a financial background because after all, the arts is a viable business opportunity. Yes. Yes. It is, right. So um, although this is the Saskatchewan Festival of Words, um, here we are in 2015, and dare I say, you hold your own against all of the other national festivals in this country, yes? That's true, and, you know, we can claim it and be proud of it, but it's really the presenters and the authors who ask to be invited to our festivals who've established that standard and said, we wait for an invitation to come to Festival of Words before we even accept an invitation elsewhere, hoping that we might be able to come. 
And I think in large part that's because they get to sit in, in on each other's sessions while they're here. They have time, downtime to visit. And they love our audiences. Our audiences are well-read and ask good questions. Right. So tell me a bit about the process of, of applying to um, be a part of the festival as an author. Uh, how does that work? How many applications will you receive in a year? Hey, it's Kevin. I hope you're enjoying the episode so far. Just a quick reminder that the Sascapes podcast is available for free on your favorite podcast app, or you can stream it from your browser. Check out the show notes for the link. On the Sascapes homepage, you'll notice something new under the logo called Sascapes Plus. You can't miss it. There's a big button saying support with a heart icon next to it. I'd love it if you could click on that button and help keep this podcast series going. When Sascapes launched in May 2014, it was the first podcast in the province celebrating arts, culture, and heritage. In fact, you'd have been pretty hard-pressed to find any Saskatchewan podcast. So I'd like to think that we paved the way. It's been because of your support that this podcast is now in its ninth year. Okay, that's it. Enjoy the rest of the episode. Well... Uh, we have a program committee, so um, anything that comes in, we uh, automatically send it to our uh, our program committee. To give you an idea of what they have to work with, they have a list of about 150 to 200 authors, right. and only about 20 to 25 of those are invited. So it's a it's a really tough task to uh, to go through it, and of course. We can't invite everybody. We'd love right. to, but we can't. So it's 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 hard. Um, but uh, we we get applications from a number of different sources. So sometimes the authors contact us directly by email, by telephone, uh, social media. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's the publishers. So um, yeah, but we take every inquiry seriously. Um, we we don't feature self-published authors at this time. Mm -hmm. um, which is difficult. We have a lot of self self published authors um, asking to get involved, but uh, at this point, it's just published published authors. And how are you deciding from this huge list? What's the decision process look like? Well, there there is a committee, so uh, they meet start meeting in uh, September every year, mm -hmm. and uh, they just work with that database of of names and they do research, and uh, it's consensus by the committee. So they uh, they mull it all over during their meetings, and they come up with a decision. Usually, every meeting they decide on a few, and you know they also. Representation is important, so um, cross genre. We want as many genres represented as possible. Right. Um, you know, uh, award winners for that year, um, male, female, uh, cultural diversity, sexual diversity. Uh, you know, the more diverse, the better. Right. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah, and that includes too. We have a Saturday night concert during the festival, so we usually, you know, so that's that involves music. We have dramatic readings. Uh, so theater, there's a theater component, um, and then we also have things like a spoken word slam competition during the festival, right. um, graphic novelists, and things like that too. So. Uh, so you have opened the doors to graphic novelists as well. Absolutely, yeah. we've we've featured graphic novelists for about ooh, since 2009. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so and we we try to have at least one every year. Right. Yeah. Um, the, it occurs to me that. You must 
really treasure the venues that that you have. Has that been a challenge to find to find venues for all of these events? No, it actually un until now it hasn't been. Uh, we a large number of our readings take place at the Moose Jaw Public Library, and uh, although the rooms are smaller, it means that the audiences are really physically up close and personal with yeah. the authors. And uh, we use the Art Museum Theater there, too, because those buildings are adjacent and they're in Crescent Park. So they're in central Moose Jaw. We also come to the Moose Jaw Cultural Center and use the theater facility here, the Mee Wilson Theater. And uh, now we've branched out and we're using the uh, Mosaic Conference Center. All right. And authors do come back um, in subsequent years, maybe not, not immediately, but eventually we do see names return, yes? That's true, and it's usually based on whether or not they have new work. Um, yes, new work usually, and uh, audience requests. So we have a large number of evaluation forms, usually in the neighborhood of about 200 evaluation forms that we get from our audiences each year. And uh, that's an, another source of, uh, um, of authors, uh, is that our audiences suggest people that they'd like to see here. And sometimes we have to look them up and find out right. who it is, you know? Right. So let's throw around a few names. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I know now, all of a sudden, your mind is reviewing over the last several years. Um, but within Saskatchewan, um, you've, you've, you've got a lot of very impressive names. Yeah, Martel has been here. Gene Freeman has been here. Who else? Um, Alice Kuypers. Um, Bob Curry. Bob Curry. Dave Margotius. Dave Carpenter. Uh, Dave Carpenter. Alan, Alan Fotheringham was here. Yes, yes. He's he a Saskatchewanite. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. Harriet uh, and Jerry Hill. That's right. Right. Yeah. Right. And then on the national scale, you have people like Terry Fallis who's been here. Who else? Uh, let me see. Uh, Audrey Thomas has been here. Dion Brand. Uh, Lawrence Hill. Margaret Atwood. Margaret Atwood. Has Mar Margaret been here? Margaret Atwood, yeah. Has she's been here. That's what everyone yeah. asks us. Yeah, yeah right. really. I was, I was going to go there, but I wanted to avoid the obvious question. <laughs> well, it's interesting because even the cab drivers who've never set foot yeah. perhaps in a cultural event and, and sort of say that with pride will say, when I tell them that I work for the festival, well, has Margaret Atwood been there? You know, and they may have never have read a page of her work, but they want to know whether she's attended in Moose Jaw. And so we're always pleased to say that she came. She enjoyed her time here. She came with Adrian Clarkson, and uh, they had a oh, wonderful time with their spouses here. What a yeah, great yeah. duo together. Well, it's good to know that the majority of Canadians do, in fact, know who Margaret Atwood is, <laughs> unlike some former mayors of former large cities Ooh. who had never, <laughs> never heard of her. Um, she's a wonderful person and a great, and a great speaker. That's the great thing about our festival. Uh, Donnelly and I had a chance uh, a couple years ago to attend some other festivals around Canada and, uh, it was great going to them, but we realized at our, fe our, our festival is much more up close and personal. Uh, there's a number of sessions going on at any given time, so the rooms are quite small. There's a question and answer period. People always rave about, you know, oh, I got to go for lunch with someone like Terry Fallis after, uh, you know, after one of his sessions because he was kind of wandering around town looking where to go, and, and uh, people have coffee with these authors, and we have a trivia night where we auction the authors off as a fundraiser, so teams can buy authors to uh, play trivia with them. Wow. And so they get to, you 
you know, eat some food and have a beer and, and uh, hobnob with, uh, with the writers at our festival. So that's, that's the great thing about it, I think. Oh, it's good to know yeah. that some of the superstar authors of this country are still very, very approachable and, <laughs> and like to hang. Oh, yeah. Well, they do, and I, it's kind of interesting. We've had uh, comments from authors who've said, uh, you know, your festival's really different. We've been to festivals, uh, husband and wife teams, both right, have said, we've been to festivals all across Canada, and for the first evening, maybe things, there's a bit of posturing, but by the by the following morning, it's all about, oh, how our, my background is that I'm from a small town as well, and my family were farmers, and, and suddenly all the, uh, um, you know, they shed those clothes and they're suddenly, suddenly all small town people talking about how their roots are similar to those of people in Moose Jaw. Right. And, and why it's a perfect fit. Yeah, therein lies the, the typical characteristic of, of the average person living in this province is that we're extremely approachable and that <laughs> we all have this common, common thread of growing up in these small towns. Um, that's nice. So it's, a, it's a big festival with still a small town, uh, sensibility to it that way, which is lovely. Um, so tell me, uh, a little bit about, um, the other aspects of what you're doing during the year. Um, you're not just holding this festival in the summertime. Uh, you talked a little bit about uh, film. You've got the Cineview film series. Who wants? Do you want to speak to that, Sarah? Yeah, we uh, the Cineview film series. We uh, partner with Film Circuit through the Toronto International Film Festival. Uh, so it operates pretty much like a film society. We have an independent committee that chooses all the films that come through TIFF. Uh, you know, being a small town, Moose Jaw gets a lot of sort of the top action and cartoon and romantic flicks. So, uh, quite a few people in town wanted something deeper, I guess. So, um, bringing independent and foreign film to Moose Jaw was the main goal of the, uh, of the committee. So we run about eight films a year. We have a, a fall series and a winter series. And uh, it's been quite popular. It's been running for 10 years at least. So it's so fantastic that Moose Jaw has the vision that you folks have the vision to be able to bring those films here so that people can see them because they're tough to, they're tough to find. They're certainly not always being pushed out there on DVD and right. in Walmart stores like, like blockbuster films. It's great. And they're held here at the Moose Jaw Cultural Center? No, they're actually t they actually take place at the Galaxy Theater, which is oh, up right. at the top of Main Street. So right. it's in a full-size, big-screen theater. Wow, excellent. And well-attended. Very well-attended and growing every year. Um, and then you also have the Performers Cafe. Tell me a bit about that. Performers Cafe is an open mic night that we hold at a restaurant right on Main Street. Mm -hmm. It's a, This year it's at Common. It used to be called Java. Right. And uh, so it's an open mic event. So really it's an opportunity for, uh, we usually have a, a literary artist and a musical guest um, or a slam poet every every uh, month. And we published an entire year's uh, schedule of who's going to appear and who the featured performers will be. But then the audience get up and uh, participate as well. They just sign up with the MC, and we have regulars who come every week. And uh, you watch people uh, developing their careers from being kind of tentative their first times up at the mic and then getting encouragement from the audience, honing their skills a bit, somebody saying, step a little closer to the mic, mm -hmm. or the audience yell, talk louder, talk louder, mm -hmm. we can't hear you, slow down, you're mumbling. And so people actually develop their skills as performers at, at the mic. And um, 
it's it's evolved over the years. Our audiences are growing, and some sometimes you can't get a seat in the place, and our audiences are even seated on the stairs, all the way upstairs. Wow. Um, for listeners who aren't familiar with this phenomenon called the Poetry Slam, um, tell us a little bit about that, Sarah. Uh, it's a spoken word competition. Yeah. Um, we partner with Shana Stock, who helps run uh, Word Up in Regina, the Word Up program at Creative City Centre in Regina. So she's usually our producer for it. So there's a number of uh, spoken word artists that come from across the prairies. So we usually have representation from Manitoba, Alberta, and Saskatchewan, and try to have representation from, you know, Moose Jaw, Saskatoon and Regina. Mm-hmm. So the spoken word artists get on stage and they essentially uh, compete to win the audience over. They uh, The judges are audience members and they have to rate them. And uh, the highest scoring poet wins in the end. So um, there's usually some uh, prize money available for them. And uh, yeah, so you, you know, spoken word is a really important genre, I think, that for a long time was largely ignored. And it's uh, it's exciting that the festival started with uh, featuring their first spoken word artist in 2009. That was Patrick Swan. And uh, every year they featured one after that. And now we're going into our third slam competition, I believe. <laughs> and it's the... Uh, because I've been to some where the poetry is written in real time. Um, no, to, uh, it's not written in real time, but they they have certain time limits that they have to, to be within. So uh, it's usually memorized work that they have practiced ahead of time. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right. Is there a Poetry Slam um, component to the Performance Cafe during the year? There is. Actually, we usually have members from the Regina... Um, word up program that come usually about six months out of our programming. Mm. Uh, one of the features featured artists is is a slam poet from from Regina. Right. Sometimes Saskatoon, but uh-huh. usually Regina. So uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of representation there. And the other thing is, um, we run in conjunction with uh, Sage Hill Writing in um, in Saskatoon, we run a teen writing program. It's called the Teen Writing Experience right. during the festival. And we found a lot of those students since 2009 have becoming more, are, are becoming more and more interested in spoken word as, as an art form and uh, a way to express themselves. So a lot of those same youth attend the Performers Cafe. It's a, it's a free event. It's an open mic night. They can get up there and talk about whatever they want to in front yeah. of a, in front of an audience. So, um, yeah, so it's been, there's, I, I would say, yeah, there's, there's a, there's been a big focus on spoken word at, at Performers Cafe and at the festival. How does the festival affect, um, the youth of Moose Jaw, uh, when it's happening during the summertime? They're not in school. Um, but do you get the sense that it's having an impact on the literary sensibilities of students? Um, has the cool factor gone out of, of reading and writing? I, th- I think not. Um, but is there a chance for the festival to somehow infiltrate the school system uh, on any level during the year? 
Well, certainly at the festival, we have several programs that are family geared, you know, and uh, the uh, youngest age group there is the Storytime for Little Ones, which is for young people four and up. And right. so we have a nationally recognized storyteller who comes and uh, has an event that is because it's in July. Uh, schools may not be in session, but daycares are, and the Y have programs. And so those young people come with their parents and grandparents and take part in that. And then our Kids, Inc. program, which could be creative creative work with uh, an illustrator or with uh, with a writer or with a uh, an actor, that's Kids, Inc., and that's for young people ages 8 to about 13. Mm -hmm. And then they go into the uh, teen writing experience at age 14 and stay with us until we almost have to push them out the door at 18. They, they're reluctant to leave wow. because they really enjoy it. And they grow, they form a group of peers that, uh, become fellow, uh, fellow mentors and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, they, they mentor each other and they mm -hmm. stay in touch on social media throughout the year. And so we have a number of programs that, uh, tie young people and families to the festival year round. And there are workshops that happen during the festival as well, yeah? Yeah, we run about uh, four different workshops during the festival, uh, not including the, the youth workshops that Donnelly just mentioned. Mm -hmm. um, we usually have one that's called uh, the Great Big Book Club. So it's a book club style workshop with one of the authors attending the festival uh, and a group of people discussing a book with the author. Um, and then there's uh, moderators to help keep it all under control. Um, and then we run uh, about three other workshops. And, you know, those, those can range from learning how to write poetry to uh, learning how to make your own chapbook or uh, uh, graphic noveling, uh, novelists um, to journaling, you know. So it, it all depends on, we ask our authors what they're willing to do, what special skills they have, and uh, work from there. So sometimes, you know, Terry Follis surprised us a few years ago, and it was all about learning how to use social media to promote your writing, and he did a workshop on that. Wow. So, you know, authors are constantly surprising us with, with workshop ideas that we haven't even thought of. So it's quite diverse every year. Within that workshop or any of the others or any of the open mic discussion groups with authors, has the whole topic of e-books come up <laughs> as Donna rolls her <laughs> I mean, it's an undeniable part of, of, our, of our literary landscape in 2015. These do exist. Um, but I'm willing to bet across the board all the authors that have been here don't get the sense that it's going to completely obliterate a hard copy book. No, not, not from, uh, not from our point of view. Um, I don't think, you know, uh, we were just looking at, uh, at an author the other day with the program team whose most recent book release was ebook. And we've never, invited an author before who has a brand new book that has only been released as an ebook. So we kind of, right. so that came up at a program meeting very recently, you know, but uh, we raffle off uh, an e-reader e every year at the festival. Yeah. Oh, so, <laughs> so we do promote it. Yes, much to the chagrin of our local bookstore owner, <laughs> we right. do it. But, uh, but uh, I know a few years ago uh, before I was here, uh, I started in 2010, and I know that they actually had a panel discussion with some authors about about uh, ebooks. So I don't know. Donnelly might have something to say about that. Well, I don't. It's not quite the same taking uh, your e-reader to to the no. beach and and laying there and just putting it face down in the sand, or right, you know, being right. worrying about dropping it someplace or whatever. 
<clears throat> I, I think that for most of us, uh, there's just something about yeah. holding a book. The smell of the mm -hmm. ink, the feel of the paper. Um, Cracking that binding. Oh, exactly. For the first time. The, the, you know, physically taking it to bed with you, yeah. you know, and, and it really is, you know, between the covers, there is more than, uh, more than just pages there. And there's, and we're physically, um, attracted to, to physical books. Yeah. And it's somehow, it's somehow different. Yeah, but it, I mean, it's worth noting that the ebook phenomenon and the ability to purchase books online now is having a profound effect on the bookstore, um, the actual brick and mortar bookstore. There's one closing in Saskatoon this month. And, and publishing, publishing companies, yes. you know, we're watching publishing companies merge or go out of business and, you know, yeah, it's undeniable that yeah. that the electronic world is taking over, and it's something we talk about a lot. And you know, and and self publishing falls into that same vein. You know, a lot of sure. people, it's easier just to submit a manuscript to self publishing online and and have it printed out for you. You know, so um, yeah, I think the world, the publishing world, and uh, is changing. So we're just going to have to adapt as we go along and and I think I think the festival and its board its employees and its committees are quite good at staying on top of what's happening and what's changing and coming up with really great ideas on how to uh, move along with it so is the ebook phenomenon and the fact that people can self publish one of the deterrents to not having self publishers here at the festival just because it would overwhelm the system with choices? Uh, partly. We've talked about that before. Uh, the problem that we have found with self-publishing is um, lack of editing. Right. You know, I don't want to paint all self-published authors with the same brush because there is some great stuff out there, but, mm -hmm. you know, 90% of the time when you open a self-published book, it it slaps you in the face you know you can tell it, there's a lack of editing and um, so because there's no edit net, no editing process we would need an independent committee I think to sure. read every yeah. self-published book that yeah. has come in you know on the other hand we understand that um, self-publishing is, is probably not going away mm -hmm. and it's actually gaining popularity as far as we can tell. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I don't think it's something that the festival can ignore forever. We're just going to have to come up with some creative ways on how, how we're going to do it. You know, as the operations coordinator in the office, I'm the first point of contact for most of the people who contact our office. Yeah. And I have been called out on, on, by a number of people over the years, um, about not accepting self-published authors. But, that's another great thing about the Performers Cafe, uh -huh. at least for people yeah. who, are, who are able to take advantage of it. We always tell people, you know, the festival is not accepting self-published authors at this time, mm -hmm. but we do have a space for you to, you know, we invite people, come on down, read part of your book, sell some of your books there if you want to, mm -hmm. you know. You can, huh? Absolutely, yeah. you know. And, and we've had people do that before, so... Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's a great place for them to meet other other writers, and mm -hmm. uh, we've got some local writing groups in town, and, and it's been really good for artists to get together and collaborate and, and work together. So, right. you know, so we so we do try to direct self-published authors there, but uh, but it's, you know, it's a slippery slope, I think. Within the published authors in Saskatchewan, um, 
I've spoken to a few in this series. Why do you think this province is just littered with authors? It's a very prolific province. It is, absolutely. Um, you know, I was born and raised in, uh, in BC. Uh, my, my dad's an artist and, you know, all my friends and uh, I was, I was immersed in the artistic community where I'm from. And I thought BC was, you know, incredible. I thought it was so full of everything. And I, I went to theater all the time and readings and, and music events and, the best theater I've ever seen, the best, the, the best dramatic production I've ever seen was in Moose Jaw mm -hmm. in Saskatchewan. And it probably was that Christmas panto. <laughs> it was, it was, it was, I was just going to say that. I was just going to say the Christmas panto. Right. Uh, <laughs> but, but, you know, Saskatchewan continues to surprise me being yeah. an outsider. Uh, we talk about musicians from here, dancers from here, you know, uh, and writers. I, I don't know, I don't know if I can name it. I don't know what it is about the prairies, but there's something incredible here. It's either in the water or something about the prairies really inspires people. Because it's so darn cold nine yeah, months of right. the year, nobody wants to go outside. So everybody that's stays right. in and gets creative. You have to get creative of things yeah, to do. Right. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know what it is. And it's funny because, you know, I go back to BC and people are like, oh, you know, how is it living in Saskatchewan? You know, it's all yeah. farmers and, uh -huh. and what, whatever. But, uh, I don't, I think people discredit, uh, Saskatchewan and the other prairie provinces for what they have to offer culturally sometimes. Yeah. Well, those farmers have stories which <laughs> largely influence the topics authors in Saskatchewan write about. Our landscape couldn't vary mm. um, more from mm. from top to bottom of the province, yeah. um, and so the geography influences it. We have a history of hardship through some very, very trying times in the Depression and climate and all of that which makes Saskatchewanians hardy stock. That's right. <laughs> That's and right. all of that influences um, influences the, the, the writing, I think. But it is astounding how many authors are in this province. Absolutely. And even transplants, you know. We've had a number of authors come in from other provinces yeah. that say, oh, I was born here, or I grew up here, moved away when I went to university, or, you know, so, uh, yeah, there's something something special here. Do you have a mandate within the authors that you choose every year to to have the majority of them be from Saskatchewan, or do you, is it just uh, nothing? Nothing's written in stone. You mm -hmm. know, we we are the Saskatchewan Festival of Words, uh -huh. uh, so we always want to have uh, good representation from Saskatchewan, um, and there never seems to be a problem finding authors from Saskatchewan that are that are publish it that have something new published yeah. you know uh to present at the festival so we we're we're lucky we're lucky in that sense we we never have a shortage of saskatchewan authors to bring here um but we always want good saskatchewan representation at our mm -hmm. festival we have we have attendees that come in from out of province or from remote areas of the province that want to hear authors from here or learn about authors from here as well so have you yourself started to put pen to paper? Has any of this rubbed off on you? Uh, not that I would admit to. <laughs> <laughs>
okay. my, my father said there's only enough room for one writer in the house, so uh-huh. uh, in the family. So <laughs> okay, right. Um, and this is how many years have you been involved? My first festival was 2010. Okay, yes. so you've got four years under your belt. Um, well, this will be your fifth. This will be my fifth. Um, and can you think within within that time frame? Is there one particular visit from from one particular author? I know that's really challenging that, you. That, that that is hard. But I, actually, as soon as you said it, one yeah. popped into my mind, and uh-huh. and I think it's because in 2010 was my first year at the festival. I was so excited and uh, not, I'm so excited every year, but that was sort of the first year I was really excited and Lorna Crozier was here Uh and uh, I was always a big fan of Lorna Crozier's and so I work, you know, working for the festival, she came up and and asked me, you know, directions for something. So I acted really cool and was like, (laughs) oh yeah, yeah, you just go down the hall and, you know, told her and as soon as she was out of sight, I looked at our interns and kind of, you know, waved my hands and jumped excitedly like, oh, I just got to talk to Lorna and and they were looking at me like I was crazy, but uh, but I was really excited to have Lorna here and of course she she has Saskatchewan roots and... Mm -hmm. uh, Hopefully, hopefully we'll have her back. But uh, every year, you know, the thing that surprises me is before every festival, I kind of have my eye on a few authors that I'm really excited about. Mm-hmm. But it always turns out being someone else that I'm really uh-huh. excited about at the end of the festival because I've had a chance to talk to them or learn something about them or look at their writing in a different way through meeting them, mm-hmm. you know. So, uh, yeah, it always I always have an idea at the beginning, and it's totally different in the end. So You mentioned interns. Um, mm-hmm. They're volunteer interns. No, they're paid. They're paid interns. They're paid interns. Wow, great, because that's such <laughs> we, a hot-button topic, isn't it? That's right. We pay yeah. our interns. Right. We, uh, we apply for funding through uh, SASC Sport mm-hmm. um, and Service Canada. We have uh, two to three interns every summer. We do we do have to pay a portion of it, but there is some government funding that mm-hmm. comes through comes through to uh, to fund our interns. So they usually start after the May long weekend and uh, work for us all the way through to the end of July. All right. Yes. But you do have a lot of volunteers we uh, have, involved in this. Right. Festival. We have over 100 volunteers yeah. that uh, work with us year-round, and they do everything from taking tickets at events to driving shuttle vans to the airport mm. to pick up authors to looking after all of the food in our nutrition area at the festival, which is free to festival attendees and authors. So, you know, talking about up close and personal, a lot of times in between sessions, people are going down, having some munchies, buying some books, and the authors are kind of hanging out, (laughs) eating cheese and crackers (laughs) and talking to people. So, yeah, so, uh, yeah, you know, the volunteers are the lifeblood of our organization. We we couldn't do it without them, and uh, they're always just a phone call away, willing to do anything for us, including our board of directors. Yeah. Donna had mentioned that there is definitely a significant impact in this town as far as local businesses are concerned when the festival rolls into town, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, people are, you know, a lot of people, I think, make a vacation out of it. People laugh at me that aren't from here when I say Moose Jaw is a tourist destination. Mm -hmm. People in Saskatchewan understand that. It is. You know, we've we've got uh, the the hot springs pool here Mm -hmm. at, at the spa. We've got the tunnels. We've got great shopping. We've got beautiful that we've got you know the grant hall hotel which has all just been redone and it's beautiful um moose jaw has a lot to offer so people are here they're they're staying in local hotels they're 
you know, t attending the festival, going on tours for different things. They're shopping, they're eating here, mm -hmm. they're spending money here. So, yeah. so I think the the Saskatchewan Festival of Words uh, contributes to Moose Jaw's economy for sure. Yeah. yeah, and I'm sure that the Business Association of Moose Jaw is grateful for for a festival like this to roll in. Yes, we, we have a number of, of uh, business sponsors every year and uh, that take out advertising with us. And uh, yeah, we hope that the business that the local businesses see value in what we do for sure. Right. Am I correct in saying that next year will be the twentieth? Yes, year. 2016. Yeah. Right. Right. So we are uh, we're already. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm sure. First, you know, 2015 isn't even finished yeah. being planned yet, but we are still, we are keeping our eyes on 2016. So, Are we're, you we're typically hoping. working um, just a year and a bit more ahead? Um, you or know, is it well, just because of usually a little bit, you know, you know, the 20th, we're, we are starting a little bit early because yeah. it's the 20th anniversary in 2016, but... Yeah. Um, Normally on the last day of the festival, we like to announce a few authors who are booked for the next year already. So, um, you know, by the time our festival comes around, we'll have already booked a handful of authors for the following year. So we can tell our audiences on the final day of the festival and get them excited about the new one coming up. Yeah. So no plans to go back to banking. Never. No. <laughs> no, I've said that. I've said that before. No, I, if, uh, if, if for some reason I had to leave the festival, I would probably still stay, stay in the same sector, yeah. at least. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty addictive once it you is. get into this arts and culture. It is. Sector. Yeah, it is, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. excellent. <laughs> Thank you both very much for um, sharing the experience of this um, festival, which is, which is wonderful and, and a, and a, and a very, very important part of our Canadian culture and our Saskatchewan culture. And thank you, Donna, for all of the work that you put into this. Um, it's, it's obvious that you have a love of the written word and that's what drives you to come into this office every morning. It does also the opportunity to showcase my hometown of Moose Jaw. We're known as Canada's friendly city, and I think that's in large part why it's the ideal community to host Saskatchewan's mm. festival, literary festival. And Sarah, thank you for for reminding us that there is um, there are jobs that uh, that fuel one's need to get up out of bed um, <laughs> every day, and it sounds like you found the ideal one for you. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. It's a it's really satisfying, not just. Uh, not just because I love it, but you know, part of the reason I love it is that uh, it's a nonprofit, it's a charitable organization, and uh, to feel like you're making a difference and doing something important is mm -hmm. is satisfying for me. So, yeah, it's great. I wish you both and uh, Moostra a fantastic festival 2015 and beyond. Great, thanks so much, Kevin. We invite people to check us out at our Festival of Words website, uh, right. festivalofwords.com. Festivalofwords.com, right. And they can see the full presenter lineup there and read about the Cineview seri film series and the uh, Performance Cafe open mic as well. And your Twitter handle is? At Festival of Words. And I'm almost <laughs> willing to bet you're on Facebook as well. You bet, Saskatchewan <laughs> Festival of Words on Facebook. <laughs> all right, well, we can find you all there. Great. Great. Wonderful to talk with you both. I hope you're enjoying this episode. Did you know that full versions of Sascapes can be downloaded or streamed for free from the iTunes Store, Stitcher Radio, and on SoundCloud? Feel free to leave us a review or star rating. 
And now, back to the podcast. So as if by magic, I've been transported from Moose Jaw to Saskatoon in a, in a heartbeat. And here I am in Saskatoon sitting in the beautiful living room of uh, Saskatchewan and Canadian author, Anthony Badoka. Welcome. Thank you, Kevin. Happy to be here with you. Nice to finally meet you yeah. on a snowy January afternoon. Yeah, what do you expect? It's Saskatchewan. I've just finished a conversation with Donnelly and Sarah in Booster about the fabulous Saskatchewan um, Festival of Words. You are a frequent guest there, um, a much-loved guest there, I'm told, and so you seem to be a logical choice um, for someone to talk to about the importance of that festival to you as an author. I wonder how valuable it is for you to be um, face-to-face with your audience, how important that is to you. In a time when we're, you know, we're all thumbs and texting and 140 characters and accessing books by, you know, electronic means, um, this, there's a component of this that seems to me to be very old school as far as getting up close and personal and doing readings and taking questions and answers. Um, can you speak to that as far as how you Yeah, feel? you know, that's, it's an interesting thing to talk about because it is kind of old school, but it's new school. Being in front of people, being in front of readers has always been important. And, you know, and I've now been doing this for 15 years or so, but it has changed so dramatically how, you know, I will promote a book. And it used to be that, you know, my, when my first book came out in like 2003, say, I would immediately start going on book tour throughout Canada, throughout the United States, getting myself in front of people, getting myself in front of readers. Yeah. And the other day I was actually looking at one of my early tours and I would say that probably 80 to 90% of those bookstores no longer exist. Right. And probably the same percentage of magazines or newspapers that would have reviewed my books no longer exist. So suddenly what was old school, getting in front of people and being able to do it at something like the Saskatchewan Festival of Words becomes so much more important. And the opportunities to do it, there are so few of them today. Right. So, you know, when you look at the the market for, you know, who are those people that attend that festival? You're not talking about just people from Moose Jaw. You're not talking about just people from the nearby cities of Saskatoon and Regina. You're not even just talking about people from Saskatchewan. There have been times when I've met people at that festival who are from all over Canada and they actually plan their vacations, usually road trips, to coincide with the festival so they know they're going to be in Moose Jaw for that weekend. Mm -hmm. So for me as a writer who now has many fewer opportunities to travel out into the world to see people, to go to that one location for a weekend and have all these readers in front of me is, it's incredible. So it's a, it's a very important festival. Right. Um, do you feel in general that, that Moose Jaw holds its own against some of the other festivals that you've attended um, in Canada or other parts of the world? Yeah, absolutely. And I've, I've been to a lot of festivals, uh, as you say, throughout, throughout Canada and the United States. I think what 
makes the Saskatchewan Festival Awards stand out is that it has a very unique character to it. There's something to be said about having a festival that, you know, not only has the history it has and the success it has, but as you arrive into what's a relatively small prairie city that very few people know about, and then have this explosion of literary talent in front of you, that's that's very exciting. I think what happens with a lot of the other conferences that I would go to, so for instance, I write mysteries and thrillers predominantly. Many of the conferences that I go to are very focused on that genre. What I love about this festival is that, you know, I'm sitting on panels with poets and people who write for magazines, people who are self-published, people who are traditionally published, people who write romance novels, people who write mysteries and thrillers, everything. And that is... It's an exciting environment to be in. Right. And for you as an author, um, are there other authors, poets, writers that you are meeting there that you have always wanted to meet? I mean, what's the exchange like between the the people who are writing? What does that feel like for you? It's. I think there's there's two parts to that. There there are those moments of you know oh my gosh I've always wanted to meet Margaret Atwood or, uh-huh. or Gail Bowen or yeah. something like that. Yeah. But then there's also the great discovery, and there is there is an evening every year at this festival where just us writers go out for you know some Chinese food, a couple of drinks, and sit around a table. And I remember just this past summer, I was sitting next to someone who is quite well known in the world of writing, basically creating comic books or anime. And, you know, I know no one who does that. Mm-hmm. And so she and I just had this amazing conversation. I learned about her world. She learned about mine. And, you know, we created two new fans, you know, for right. each other. And that's, you know, that's a pretty dynamic situation to be in. Right. And do you talk about your writing schedules, your writing habits? I mean, do you, what, what do writers talk about when you, when you get together as far as the technical aspects of writing or, or the lifestyle of being an author? Yeah. You know, I think it's more the latter than the former. It becomes more about the lifestyle. And, you know, one of the things, Kevin, that I always say to new writers when they come to me and they ask for advice and they say, like, what what should I do? The very first thing I tell them is to get involved in the writing community, meet other writers. It's, It's like anything else. You want to find people like you. And when you do, Even if there's no great problem solving happening, just knowing that there's other people who are going through the same things you are, have the same dreams and hopes and same despairs and highs and lows, there's something very helpful about that. And it, you know, I I think you can't go away from a situation like that. You can't leave the weekend in Mushta, the Festival of Words, without feeling uplifted as a writer because you, you have this commonality with this wide group of people and it really doesn't matter what genre you write in it's all about living that creative life and following this passion that has to do with with words and it's a very solitary life you lead when you are writing yeah i mean you're you're largely in a room at a desk by yourself i would imagine so that must feel wonderful to sort of break out of that pattern and and be a social butterfly for a while although i know that you are in your life anyway well yeah well you know (laughs) it's i think that's that's a question that you would get different answers 
from different writers. I think I know of writers who really struggle with that, that they, you know, they see the life of being a writer as, you know, I just want to be in my office in front of my computer or in front of my piece of paper and I want to create. And the fact that now, not now, I think always, there has been a business perspective to this as a career if you want to make it a career. And that has to do with being in front of people. And that doesn't come easy for everyone. But I mean, fortunately, I love it. Like it's yeah. uh, to me, it's been one of the great side benefits of this career that I don't think I really even understood when I first started. I I, I didn't know how wonderful it was going to be to go out and stand in a room where people actually come out to see you and they really care about maybe not necessarily you, but the characters that you created or the stories that you wrote. And that's, I find that really exciting and it never fails to amaze me when, you know, and I'll be someplace like, you know, Dallas, Texas to think that, you know, as I'm, as I'm landing in my plane thinking there are people down there in this city that I've never been to before who know me, who've read my books and are going to, you know, leave their jobs and have supper and make it, a point out of getting in their cars and coming to the bookstore and and visiting with me. I I think that's wonderful and I am always so excited at that point. So I'm I'm very happy always to to talk to people till, you know, I'm blue in the face and I think usually they kind of want to get away from me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's 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 good. Um there's a there's a young people's component to the Saskatchewan Festival of Words as well. Um when you've been there, your most recent visit was 2014. Mm-hmm. When you've been there, have you had the opportunity to just have a, a Q&A or a chat with with specific groups of young people? What's your feeling on um, on young people's aspiring to to write? We're overexposed. We're living in a world of reality television and, and stuff is instant and you can be on the internet and if you don't like what you're watching after five seconds, you click and move on to something else. We, we're getting our life in sound bites. What's it like to sort of, for a young person to sort of pull back from all of that and go old school and put pen to paper and create and express? Yeah, you know, I think it's, it it is a worry, and I I think what we as writers who have been around for a little while is that we have to realize that old school maybe doesn't work anymore, but there's this new school that that can work, and we need to sort of I think approach young writers in a different way mm-hmm. and talk about writing in a different way. But you know, I the story quick story I want to tell you is. Um, a couple of years ago, I was doing a festival in Calgary. And now the books that I write aren't necessarily directed towards young people. So I don't necessarily always have the, you know, 14 to 18 year olds in my sign up lines or at my events. But this was an interesting festival in that there was, I think, four of us who were kind of the, the headliners for different genres. And there was a writer who she writes um, kind of fantasy novels for young people and then two or three of us from other genres and in not so much me but there's you know one or two people who are you know they were kind of powerful writers but we went to a library in calgary and we all you know sat down in front of our table to do our signings and this woman who wrote for young audiences her line went out 
the door and what it seemed endless. And long after the three of us were kind of done and twiddling our thumbs, Mm -hmm. she was still signing. And that lineup was made up of, you know, kids and, you know, from 14 to 18 years old. And it, it did my heart so much good to see that because those are readers. Those are people who care about reading and probably a lot of them who care about the process of writing. Mm And that showed me something that up until that point, I wasn't sure. I was kind of thinking along the same lines of what you were just describing, that there's there's a shuttle shift here and it's not a good thing. But Mm -hmm. I think there is. I think there are a lot of young people who still want to read and want to write. The way they think about it and the way they're going to approach it is going to be different than you or I might have. In the time period that I have been a writer, which is a fairly, you know, we're talking about contemporary times, Mm -hmm. this industry has always been in tumult in one way or another. Mm -hmm. And it's either been, you know, predatory pricing between the U.S. and Canada. It's been, you know, the beginning of e-books. It's been the big box retailers taking over book selling. How we write our books, how we sell our books, how we read our books, everything has changed so dramatically in a very short period of time. I I just expect change. And a, a couple of years ago, I used to do a, a, a talk about marketing yourself as a writer. And one of the things I would always say is that you have to have this tool chest of Um, tools that you need to bring out to market yourself. Now, what works today may not work tomorrow, and you need to always reevaluate. So if, you know, early in in my career, going out on tour and visiting small bookstores was amazing Mm -hmm. for me, it doesn't work anymore. Mm. And I've had to change. Uh, It's change, change is good. And, uh, you know, you just have to roll with it. Right. But again, going back to what we were talking about at the beginning of this conversation, that's what's so wonderful about this festival is that it gives you the opportunity to go back to that style of of one-on-one with your audience. You've been asked eight gazillion questions, I imagine, in, in your career as a writer, both by your audience and by interviewers. This may put you on the spot, but... Can you, are there questions that have taken you by surprise in a good way with your audience when you've been in a festival situation? What has taken me by surprise is how personal people will get about the characters that I write about. And, And that has raised a real important question for me, which is, do I, especially when you write series novels, as I do, yeah. because what someone tells you at an event like the Saskatchewan Festival of Words or at a book signing, what people tell you or ask you about or suggest about a character, I mean, you really could, you know, affect that in that character's life going forward. I mean, you're, you know, I'm always writing another book. Right. And if someone says, you know, I think that guy should get his hair cut, I can cut their hair. But it tends to be much more serious things than that. And the question that it's raised for me is, who am I writing for? Mm -hmm. And I needed to think about, do I need to give serious consideration to what my readers are asking for, quite plainly asking for? 
or do I stay true to what my vision has been? And I'm always a writer that I, I think ahead of time. I think about my characters and where I want them to go and where I see them in the future. You know, some, a lot of the specifics may not be there, but I know where these people are going. So if a person in the audience says, you know, no, you need to do this, it gives me pause. And the example I'll give you is about, you know, my main character, my my mystery series, Russell Quant. Mm-hmm. Readers were very adamant that they wanted that character to have a solid romantic relationship. Right. And that took me by surprise. What I was trying to do as as a writer is when I first started that series, I had a number of friends who were in their mid-30s and had made conscious decisions not to be in relationships. Mm-hmm. And I thought, that's a valid life choice. I hadn't thought about that. And from a writer's perspective, I thought, that's interesting to investigate. And that's what I wanted to do with Russell Quant. I wanted to show that it's okay to be in your mid-30s and you know, have a great career, have lots of friends. It's not like he didn't have, you know, outlets for for being intimate with people. He just didn't want to be in a relationship. Many readers wanted him very badly to be in a relationship. And it took me finally realizing that this was such a wonderful thing because these readers cared so much about this character that they just wanted him to be happy. And their definition of being happy is being in a solid, loving Uh relationship. That's interesting. Yes. And I had to think long and hard about that. In the end, I did not respond right away. I kept on going down the path that I felt I wanted to put this character. But the joy of having a long-running series is that by, you know, about book six or seven, I started thinking, you know, now I think I do want to investigate, you know, can this character be in a relationship? And I, you know, I swear to you that I think at least twice I wrote a character for him to fall in love with, and I fully intended for this to be his long-term relationship. And by the time I went to write the next book, they'd broken up. Somewhere between the end of the last book and the beginning of this one, they did it on their own. I just could not make that relationship work. But I love that as a writer because, I mean, that's life, right? Like sometimes the relationships you really want to work, just they just don't work. I love that you're talking about that as, and, and you truly didn't know. It's, yeah, it, it's, it, it's as if there's a life that you have no control yeah. over in a way, even though you are the author, yeah. you're at the helm. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's something that I learned about from, you know, a great, another Saskatchewan mystery writer, Gail Bowen. Right. And this is before I, I knew Gail and I, you know, loved her books. And I remember this experience of, you know, and she writes series, and I, you know, read one book, and then some, you know, months later, I started reading the next one. And as I'm reading this book, I'm going, but you know, wait a second, like how come this is going on? And I convinced myself that I must have missed a book between the other two because things were happening that weren't talked about in the prior books. I thought I missed something. And when eventually I met Gail and asked her about that, she said, "Well." you know, just because you're not writing about it doesn't mean it didn't happen. Right. And I, I love that idea is that these characters still have lives in between the books that we write. Right. And I've always thought about my characters in that way. And I, you know, once you give them that freedom, 
it's a pretty exciting writing process. Your characters have lives in between the books that mm -hmm. you write. Their yeah. lives keep on yeah. going. Yeah. That's as profound as when I tell <laughs> singers you have to sing through the pauses. <laughs> yes. You have to act through the pauses. Wow. That'll give me a meal to feast yeah. on for a while. Yeah, think right, about that. right. Um, it has been said about the Saskatchewan Festival of Words that it takes place in a city in a province that's highly unlikely that such a festival should happen. Do you find it odd that we should have such a a wonderful and recognizable festival in this province. Do we hold our own in the literary scene now? I do not find it odd for even a second. Uh -huh. And the reason was is, is because, you know, I live the same kind of life as that festival does, where people think, like, how can there be that, you know, incredible festival in this little city that no one's heard about? Yeah. Over my entire career, I've heard those people who have said, how can you write a book about a detective in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Right. And think you're going to be successful. Yes. And and I, you know, I will admit that there is pressure put on writers such as myself, and I think even Canadian writers in general, that we should write to the market. And for us in Canada, the market numbers wise is the United States. Mm -hmm. So it's a numbers game. We need to be in that market. And the wisdom so to speak, has always been that you need to write about the market where you want to sell your books. Mm -hmm. I disagree with that. Mm -hmm. I think that as long as you write a good story, they will read about it. The key for us, I think, is marketing. We have to make sure that we show up in those markets. Right. And I think the Saskatchewan Festival of Words has approached it the same way, where when, yeah, when I was at the festival this past summer, um, you know, there was writers from across Canada. There was readers and attendees from across Canada and the United States. They haven't said, you know, we're a Mooshaw festival and, and, you know, we'll just try and get Mooshaw writers. They've opened themselves up to the world. And the one, you know, terrific thing of many terrific things about Saskatchewan is that we have learned that we are not the center of the world, mm -hmm. that we need to reach out and that we need to bring things to us. And it's made us a richer environment. And I think I, someone said the other t day to me that that they like to describe Saskatchewan as being in the middle of everything. Mm -hmm. And I, I love that. And if you have that mindset, the restrictions are gone. Uh, all we have to do is is you know get on an airplane to to get wherever we want to do, and the same can be said in reverse. Mm -hmm. I have found with my books that writing about Saskatchewan, instead of being a challenge, it has really been a boon to me. Because in this day and age where the world is so small, because of the internet and because of technology and because of jet travel, I mean, everyone has been to Paris or knows somebody who lives in Rome or has vacationed in Mexico or, you know, the world is small. People just have to Google image any place to see it. Mm -hmm. To have a festival in a city that pretty much no one has heard about. To write a book based in a city that pretty much no one has has heard about, that's an opportunity. Yeah. It gets people excited. Sure. And they and you know, and I I I'm sure that the people with the festival have told you what great response they get from Huge. authors who come in and go like, we had no idea. Yeah. 
it's exciting. I don't envy their job of having to select who comes. Yeah, exactly. So obviously they're doing something right yeah. because the number of people who want to be here, um, they can't have everybody. So that's yeah. exactly what you want in a festival. Yeah. Why in the world are we littered with writers in this province? This is a very prolific province. Why do you think? Well, you know, I, th I think there's a, a couple of reasons. One is that there is a benefit to having some remoteness. I think that for writers, we sit here and we can be inspired and we have people surrounding us that have brought the world to us. It's, it's, it's pretty difficult, Kevin, I think, to meet anyone on the street in any city or town in, in Saskatchewan who hasn't traveled outside of these borders. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's one of the things is that, you know, yeah, we have long, cold winters, and so we sometimes need to get away. Right. But the benefit of that is that, as you know, I mean, travel just expands your horizons. Yeah. So all these people come back, and what do they do? They bring that culture back with them. Mm -hmm. And that, in turn, starts inspiring poets and writers. And, you know, for myself, I mean, the one series that I write, there's a lot of travel in there. And, and why? Because I travel. Yeah. But, you know, I also balance it with a very strong sense of Saskatchewan. And so I think, I think that's, that's one reason. I think another reason is that there is a, there's a unique mentality in Saskatchewan of people helping each other and being supportive of one another. When, when I have a book launch in Saskatoon and I tell my colleagues around the world about these book launches, they are in shock of how big these events are. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I'll have, you know, my little event in McNally Robinson and hundreds of people come out. Yeah. And, you know, my colleagues can't believe that that happens in a city this size. And mm -hmm. I think that's just a good example of how supportive a city like this is. Yeah. And I think we see that in villages and towns and cities across this province for everything not just writers it's it's just uh, it's a mentality of saskatchewan people you talked about making the choice to base your your writing um in saskatchewan um and and certainly have that as the focus when you started the the long now long running russell quant series um, you made also a pretty bold choice um, to have him be a gay character. Um, the world of gay mystery writing is growing, yes, but at the time that you made that choice and put pen to paper with book number one, um, uh, that probably wasn't the case and certainly not in Canada. I think uh, I've... I've heard you speak about that, um, that, you, that, you, if, that you may have been, in fact, the first and likely are the first mm -hmm. person. Was there fear and trepidation behind making that choice or was that just extremely comfortable with you? Too? No fear, uh, very little trepidation and, and maybe stupidly so, I don't know. But for me, it was more a matter of survival in a way where when I was starting out, I was very cognizant of the fact of how small I was, where 
I was a nobody writer. I had never written or published anything, Kevin, not even, you know, a newspaper article. I was an accountant. (laughs) And here I am wanting to be a writer. I was very aware of the business world and I knew about competition. And I would walk into bookstores and libraries and look at those shelves and think, oh my goodness, how am I, this nobody, unknown, untested writer living in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, how am I going to get a book on one of those shelves? And not just a book on the shelf. For me, it was about more than that. I wanted people to read this book. I didn't want to write a book and have, you know, 12 copies sold mostly to my mother. Right. <laughs> I, you know, I wanted right. to build a career. Sure. And I began thinking about a lot of the lessons that I learned from the business world. And, and one is that you need to find a way to stand out. Mm-hmm. And I thought about what type of book could I write that hadn't been seen in Canada yet, mm-hmm. that you know might be seen as controversial in some circles, mm-hmm. but controversy isn't a bad thing. Right. Um, and yet also served me as a writer that I felt there was an important story to tell mm-hmm. and the fact that there weren't any gay detectives being written about in Canada, mm-hmm. that there was a niche that needed to be filled. Yeah. And for myself personally, I thought this is an important thing to start yeah. in this country. Yeah. And so I put all that together. I smushed it all together and, and created this story and this character. And my very first book launch in Saskatoon was, you know, this massive party and this celebration. Mm-hmm. And that just pumped me up. Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, I went to my publisher and I said, okay, let's go. And it wasn't until I was actually in the process of going where the, where some of the trepidation might have come in, thinking like, oh, wait a second, like maybe not everybody's going to like the fact that there's this gay character. And I, you know, I, and I'm sure I would have had, you know, a time or two where I would have been landing in some city thinking, you know, I wonder if there's going to be like protesters or yeah, like, is there right. going to be somebody in the audience who's going to throw an egg at me or what is it? Right. And it's, I, yet I still held on to the fact that you know, there was so much power of, you know, from the the love and support that I had in this community. Uh-huh. It really drove me. I I thought that what I had done was something that needed to be done. I was confident in the book. And I just went forward. And I was quite cognizant of the fact that I thought this is going to be the thing that is going to make me stand out. And if there are issues or what have you, this is going to be the thing. And I've told the story a couple of times where one of my first big literary conferences, same type of thing as what happens at the Saskatchewan Festival of Words. You have this panel and you stand up and and people ask questions. And this was somewhere in the deep south of the United States. Mm. And the very first question of the evening was for me, and it was this big guy, and he comes up to the mic from the back of the room and he says, Mr. Badalka, I just want to know how you thought that you could write a book and be popular writing about a character who's from Saskatchewan. Ah. <laughs> and, you know, I, yeah, I so thought the end of that sentence right. was going to be, how could you write and be successful writing about a character who's gay? Right. And that has continued throughout my career. The thing no, that has been the defining aspect of that series, the questions that I get most often have to do with the fact that this character is from Saskatchewan, not 
having to do with the fact that he's gay. And I think it's because, you know, we're blessed to live in a, in a day where that's so much less an issue. More people tend to, you know, have a brother, an uncle, or a yeah. niece who are, you know, from the LGBT community. Yeah. But very few people know anybody from Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. That so that's the thing that's curious to them. And they, you know, and sometimes people ask me if I'm offended when people ask me questions like this, but people have said to me, so, you know, do you live in an igloo? Are there polar bears in your city? Questions like that. I never take offense to that. Mm-hmm. I'm there to educate mm-hmm. and to spread the word and to, and to show them, here's what life is like in a place called Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. What a great opportunity for a writer. You know, it's exciting to me that that happens. So you talked about the fact that you were an accountant. Um, mm-hmm. So there you are, you're a kid. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a 10-second uh, overview of your life. This is your <laughs> life. Here you are, you're a kid. You find a box of books in a storage room of your parents. You start reading. You're hooked. You start writing your first series, the animal world that you're writing Look about. You. Yeah. This is my life. Yeah, and then you and then you uh <laughs> use your guinea pig niece Kim. Mm-hmm. Uh, right, right. And so you're already there and in childhood you're already uh um being bitten by the writing bug. And then something happens and you go, however, I think I should do something sensible and after all these interesting careers like selling shoes and bartending and what exactly is a bull cook <laughs> in a Ukrainian mine? What? Uranium mine. Uranium <laughs> mine. <laughs> a Ukrainian mine. Oh, wow. Uranium I'd like mine. to go there. Oh, what's a bull cook? <laughs> a bull cook is someone who basically does all of the odd jobs around the mine. So I would have been the dishwasher, the pot scrubber, the bathroom cleaner. He was like a floater. Around the mine is it was a, a summer a job. Uranium mine. Yeah, oh, there aren't less mines. For <laughs> I think yours is much more interesting. A though. Ukrainian yeah. mine. There you go. You can <laughs> put that in your next book. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes, we okay. dig up sausage and pierogies. You know, right? Oh. <laughs> well, I'm, I should uh, I should uh, say happy belated well, New Year's. <laughs> yes. uh, right. Um, well, you have a lot of great facts, but well, oh, that okay. one not quite. Oh, all right, okay. But then you well, did ultimately end up settling on being an accountant. Yeah, a chartered um, accountant. A chartered accountant. Mm-hmm. And during that, I, I think I already know the answer to my question, but you don't strike me as the kind of person that when you did decide to break free of that and write, that you weren't escaping something that was stifling, non-creative, that was just, you know, just robbing you of your soul. Somehow I think you actually enjoy doing that and that, and that you brought mm-hmm. a lot of that life to your writing. Yeah, absolutely. I wasn't running away. I was running towards. Uh-huh. And I, and you're, and you're right. I mean, people often ask me the question about, do I regret the fact that I, you know, spent the first, you know, 20 years of my adulthood doing these other jobs and, you know, and spending a decade as, as a chart accountant. It's quite the opposite. You know, those careers and those experiences have fed me. I think they've made me more, um, successful as a writer you know there is a strong business component of being a writer Mm -hmm. and you know i know how to read royalty statements Mm -hmm. i know how to market i know about you know the business world and it's important um i think just the people and experiences that i had doing all those jobs in the ukrainian mine and (laughs) 
<laughs> oh no! I may even write about that. <laughs> but those were inspirational times for me. For me, that move was knowing that the time was right at that point in my life mm-hmm. to pursue passion. Right. Right. And I think that's that's important to give yourself that opportunity at least once. And and to be clear, Kevin, I I didn't necessarily need to have published a book mm-hmm. or to have made a lot of money or to have sold a lot of books or mm-hmm. any of that originally. Mm-hmm. It was about trying mm-hmm. and having that time in my life where I allowed myself to try. It turned out wonderfully, but the original move was just about giving myself that gift. It's a dramatic thing to do. Um, I don't necessarily recommend it to anyone. Oh, I'm so glad you said that. <laughs> the way, what I say to people about that, because it's sometimes when I tell this story, people say, well, you know, I can't do that. I can't right. just like quit my job and like become a singer the next day. Yeah. And yeah, absolutely. I mean, the way it happened for me, you know, isn't necessarily the way it's going to happen for anyone, and probably it won't. Mm-hmm. The for me, the important lesson was the the idea of recognizing what your passion is mm-hmm. and finding it a way to make it part of your life. Mm-hmm. And in my case, it was a dramatic gesture, mm-hmm. but it doesn't have to be that. It can be, you know, deciding that you know once you've recognized what that passion is find a way to bring it into your life make it a hobby make it part of your volunteer work make it that thing that you do on you know saturday afternoons when everyone else is off you know doing grocery shopping that i think is the important message doing what i'm doing today i mean i still you know 15 years after starting this i wake up every morning just overjoyed that this is what i do yeah i'd love to have you back as a guest uh, in a future episode I could talk to you for much longer I've got Great. So me to you to yeah. this um, is fun. but thank you I'm, I'm happy to have your input on the festival and I know the festival um, is thrilled every time that you're there uh, I think we all agree that anybody listening who isn't from Saskatchewan who's never been here ought to put it on their bucket list to come here mm-hmm. because there's a lot to do and there's a lot to see um, yep. all over the province. Yeah, you so, will be awed. Yeah, you will. From top to bottom, the geography is is quite stunning in and of itself. But yeah. that that I little agree. weekend in, in July... There's something magical about it. So get there. Yes, indeed. Right. Thank you, Anthony. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks for listening. The Sascapes podcast is created and hosted by Kevin Power for Sass Culture. Funding to the cultural sector is provided through the Saskatchewan Lotteries Trust Fund for Sport, Culture, and Recreation. For more information, visit iHeartCulture.ca and SaskCulture.ca. Music for Sascapes is provided by Saskatchewan-born singer-songwriter Jeffrey Straker. There's no end to the stories to be told. So, until next time...